Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. So today, though, I want us to talk about the time of your life. And I know in, in this season, time has done funny things, hasn't it? It has for me. There was a point there sometime around May that I was thinking like, what day is it? Did you have that during this pandemic season? Is today Tuesday or Thursday? I don't know. Because our schedule got so thrown off. And in some ways, it seems like it was just yesterday that it was January. And in some ways, it feels like an eternity since yesterday was January. Somebody in the office the other day said, oh, you know, I was looking at some stuff about Christmas shopping. And I'm like, Christmas shopping? Why would we think about Christmas shopping? It is, oh, that's why. Because it's getting to that season. It's really frightening when you think about it. And so I know there have been so many people who have felt like I've wasted time. This has been wasted time. And other people have felt like this time is just drawn on and on and on and on and on. And it doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. Well, so today what I want us to do is just today, I want us to think about the time of your life. And I want us to think about past, present, future. And I want us to look at it from a biblical standpoint. And look at what the Bible says about the way we use our time. And I want us to look at also how a relationship with Jesus completely alters the way that we view the gift of time that God has given to us. And so if we're going to have the time of our life, so to speak, if we are going to live our lives to the fullest as God would want us to do, there are some things that we need to pay attention to, and there are some things that we need to practice based on what God's Word says. And again, all of these are rooted in a relationship with Jesus. And mind you, I'm not saying get a relationship with Jesus so that you can work out these things. No, I'm saying these things are the outpouring of getting things right with Jesus. We'll have an appropriate view of time. One of the first things that we find is this. If you're going to have the time of your life, let go of the past. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul writes, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What's the it there? It, in that statement, is Christ-likeness. The goal of being made like Jesus. Of being perfected. Of being made over into the likeness of Christ. Of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't achieved it yet. I'm not there yet. Nobody achieves it here in this lifetime. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says. Forgetting those things that are behind and moving forward to those things that are ahead. That's what he says. Because it's very dangerous when we do not let go of the past and we hang on to things in the past that can hinder us for our growth in the future. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you put your hand to a plow and an animal is pulling it and you are trying to plow a straight furrow, if you're looking back, you will never plow a straight furrow. You'll go all over the place. It's like you don't drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. I hope you don't. Don't do that. If you do, don't. Stop. We don't do that. We recognize that. A backward glance may be needed at some point in time, especially if there are blue lights. You need to look in your rearview mirror. But that does not 
that is not the, the thing, the primary way that you're looking in order to move forward. So we have to let go of the past. Now, what's back there, Paul? He's saying forgetting those things that are behind. Well, there are good things and there are bad things back there. There are some really hard things probably in some of our pasts. I imagine that it, it, there's good and there's bad that we tend to run to, right? There are things that we regret and wish that we will never, uh, hope and pray that we will never live through again. But there are also things that if we were given the option of living it again, we might want to do that. There are bad things that we say, what can I do to absolutely avoid going down that path again? And that's wise to put those things in place if you can. And on the flip side, sometimes we look at good things and we say, wow, I just wish I could get back there again. Uh, I've, I've worked in churches long enough that, that I've seen that happen sometimes. And people will say, you know, many years ago, we, we had this, this, this moment where everything was just so amazing. So I think what we need to do is we need to get the same preacher and the same singer and sing the same songs and have the same person pray and get in the same room and we'll replicate it and we'll happen again. Well, it rarely happens that way. Because that is solely based upon a movement of God. But on the flip side, sometimes we try so hard to avoid some negative things that sometimes we get so consumed with avoiding the negative things of the past that we don't even move forward because we're so consumed working out things to keep from reliving those negative things in the past. Listen, we've all had times in our life. We've all had times where we have lain awake in bed at night and replayed old hurts on this movie screen of our memory and over and over again reliving it reliving it reliving it reliving it repeating the worst most negative things that people have said to us instead of turning those over to christ and saying no more i'm going to relinquish that in genesis chapter 41 i always I think about this um, often whenever i think about the past Genesis 41, starting with verse 51, this is uh, uh, some things that Joseph says. Let me just give you a little recap. Um, a little recap. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was lied about. He, the, his father was told that a wild animal has killed him. Joseph is sold into slavery. He gets shuffled all around. He ends up serving in this ruler's house, this leader's house. He ends up being falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, forgotten in prison, and then through a series of circumstances where he interprets some dreams, he is brought out of prison many years later, and then he rises to prominence there in the land of Egypt. And notice what he says in Genesis 41, verse 51. He's, he has two children. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So he has two kids. And the first one's name is Manasseh, which literally means forgetfulness. And the second child is named Ephraim, which literally means fruitfulness. So Joseph has this forgetfulness. Now, and I know some people have said, well, did he really forget? Well, no, he didn't forget his father's house. And I've heard other people say, hey, God supernaturally allowed him to forget all about them. Well, there's a problem with that statement because he says, God made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. So if he forgot his father's house, he's not going to be saying his father's house. You get what I'm saying? Okay. 
But Joseph did not bring it back to mind. He didn't willfully bring it back to mind and let it resurface and allow that sting to control him. But you find Joseph says, my firstborn's name is Manasseh and my secondborn's name is Ephraim. My firstborn son, his name is forgetfulness and my secondborn son, his name, fruitfulness. And I know that we don't need to make a morality or try to find a moral in things. I know that's a danger in preaching, but all I could think about with that illustration is sometimes we want that reversed, don't we? We want the fruitfulness to come and the fruitfulness to make us forgetful of the pain. And in some cases, we need to understand that we need to let it go. We need to let the past go. And then after letting the past go, we might see the fruitfulness. And in the, after the forgetting, many times after, after the forgetting comes the fruitfulness. And so we find that Joseph has some bad stuff back there, but Joseph is, is letting that go. And there are also things that people didn't do to you, Right? It's not, it's not, we don't have a slide for this, but I was thinking about Joel uh, 2.25. God speaking to his people, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten. You know, I got to thinking about that. There are years, years of my life that I can look back on and go, wow, that all that time that I wasted, I could have been, I could have been using it for the, for God's work. I could have been used for that. And I wasted this time and I wasted that time. And then I look at this, I'm like, well, God, I'm just asking you that you would restore those years. You would restore those years of fruitfulness. And let's be honest, we could all say this. There are years that the locusts came and ate, and there are some years that we fed them ourselves. Right? We have. Here, take my time. Eat it. And we have done that. So there's bad stuff back there. There's hard stuff back there in the past. But you know what's also dangerous? Good stuff. There may be some good things in our past that if we don't let that go, I'm not saying forget about it, but I'm saying if we, if we don't look forward, if we don't move forward, and if we just depend upon the victories of yesterday, that can be a problem as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may have obtained it. And then verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I want to key in on that last phrase. They run for a perishable wreath, but we for an imperishable. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about in ancient times during athletic competitions, if you won you received a wreath of laurel leaves. That's what you would receive. You may have seen, uh, I started to say photographs, there weren't no cameras, right? You, you may have seen images, sculptures, you may have, you know, uh, or, or statues, or you may have seen things that sculptors have produced, uh, like uh, the things on temples, temple walls and stuff like that, or maybe some pottery or something along those lines. You may have seen these depictions that show an athlete wearing a crown of leaves well that's what they would give the athlete a crown a wreath of laurel leaves they would give them these fresh green laurel leaves they would weave them into a, a, a kind of a crown and they would wear those well what would happen well given a little bit of time those leaves dry up and that wreath dries up because it's it's leaves that you've pulled from a tree and you've woven into a wreath and it dries up the leaves fall off, the wreath turns brown, and it just falls away, and now it's just a, a ring of twigs. That's all you have left. 
This is where we get our phrase that we should not rest upon our laurels. That's where it comes from. That we don't depend upon the past victories. And Paul is saying these athletes, they run, they run to receive something that is going to pass away. It's not going to last. It's not a victory that is going to last. We all know that guy, don't we? We all know that guy that, you know, he's on up in years and, you know, and you talk to him about anything and he's like, I remember the time that I ran the winning touchdown. And you're like, okay, well, that's great. That was a long time ago, man. You know, I mean, a long time, right? And that's great that that happened. But at the same time, that's a past victory. You know, he's not going to, he's not, you know, he's not going to run any touchdowns right now, you know. And so, but we can't rely upon those past touchdowns from years ago to ensure victory in the future. We can't. Past victory does not ensure future victory. Jesus ensures victory. And so then we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of the greatest things that we find about dealing with our past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So whenever you come to Christ, and we've talked about this before, when you come to Christ, it's not that just God gives you a brand new future in Christ. You have a new past in Christ. Because we have been given the righteousness of Jesus through his sacrifice. And when we receive him and surrender to him, when we receive him by faith, then God gives us the righteousness of Christ so we can, not because of our own doing, but because of his grace. And we can now stand before God and be declared perfectly righteous before God himself. Not because of what we did, not because of merit, not because of skill, not because of anything we deserve. No, not at all. But because of the grace of God in sending Jesus to us. And so with that in mind, that means we get the eternal righteousness of Christ, which means Jesus has always been pleasing to God. That means God looks back at my past. He doesn't see all the stuff that I see. In some ways, I have a better memory than God, so to speak. Now, does God know it? Of course he knows it. But he willfully chooses not to bring that back to mind. And God looks at my past and he sees the perfectly pleasing past of Christ. If you're in Jesus, God looks at your past and sees the perfectly pleasing past of Christ. And so with that in mind, we can let go of our own past. Now, there may be consequences. There may be apologies that need to be made. There may be fences that need to be mended. There may be things that need to be done for recompense. Absolutely. And and things may never get back to the way they were. Absolutely. There may be consequences, but at the same time, we can let go of our past. The second thing about having the time of your life is this. We need to look carefully at the present. Life is short. Have you noticed that? Someone asked Billy Graham one time many years ago, they said, has anything in all your years of ministry surprised you about life? And he said, yes, the brevity of it. It's just so short. It's so incredibly short. James chapter four, verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The word that's used there for mist, it's a word that's used for a puff of smoke. It's also the word that's used... In, in other texts for whenever you go out on a cold day and you exhale and your air, the, the exhaled condensation kind of hangs in the air for a moment and then it dissipates. James says, that's what our lives are. In the grand scheme of things, our lives are short. Our lives are very, very short. Don't you know this? And things, we, we grow older. I mean, you know, the other day I woke up and I was like, why am I sore? I must have slept wrong. How do you do that? 
I mean, have you ever thought about that phrase? I must have slept wrong. How do you sleep wrong? And why do you pull things that you didn't even know you had? And you wake up and you grunt when you get out of bed. I did that the other day and I went, Ugh. and I was like, what? What is this? Grunting, I'm waking up for the day and I'm like, Ugh. and some of you are laughing because you know, and some of you are laughing because you're saying, that's never gonna happen to me. Oh, <laughs> you just wait, you just wait. I pulled something, what? I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I didn't even know I had that muscle, all right? So we're to look carefully because our lives are short. This is why in Psalm 90, verse 12, I love this phrase. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. When you start realizing how short life is, you start spending life wisely. And so life is short. So teach us, O oh God, to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Short days lead to wise hearts if you'll allow it to. And so we, we go before God and we recognize that we have to look carefully at our present. This is what Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 talk about. Look carefully how you, then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Look carefully how then, or look carefully then how you walk. Some translations, be, walk circumspectly. The word means, it's the word from which we get our word acrobat from. It's the Greek word acrobos. It's you're walking a tightrope, essentially. You have to walk very, very carefully. And so we are to, we are to spend our time wisely. We are to walk carefully. We are to walk acrobos. We are to be an acrobat, so to speak, with our time. That may be a little stretch, but you know what I'm saying. And so we are to spend our time wisely and we're to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. We're to redeem the time. We're to buy it back. We're to use it for the wisest things. And there are some things that can just steal your time. There are some things that steal your God-given time. Let me give you three real quick. And I know this is not an exhaustive, comprehensive list. All right. But one is worrying about things you can't control. That will eat up so much of your God-given time. And I'm preaching to myself here. That is not walking circumspectly. That is not walking and looking with care at how we spend our time. That's not redeeming the time. Worrying about things you can't control. There are things you can control, and there are things you can't control. And can I just tell you, the number of things you can't control is far bigger than the number of things you actually can control. And sometimes we get all stressed out when something happens and we're trying to walk with Jesus and then we get worried and we start thinking about this and we start thinking about that and then we go down this rabbit hole and then before long we're so far removed from where God wants us to be thinking about things and worried about things that probably aren't even going to happen. And then we get all concerned, well, my plan A, my plan A failed. Well, you got 25 more letters. I mean, for goodness sake, you throw in Hebrew, you got even more. You got, you got all these different plans. God has an infinite an infinitely, an infinite number of creative options with his infinite power to deal with whatever issue you may be faced with. You look in the Bible, God doesn't work the exact same way in the exact same way over and over and over and over again. It's just that he's faithful, but you find God working this way one way and then he works this way. You find Jesus healing this person this way and then he heals that person this way. And then he does this or then he does that. And then he goes here and then he, and you're looking at that and you're saying, I can't even make sense of all that. God is infinitely creative. So the first thing, don't waste time worried about things you can't control. Secondly, don't let toxic people ruin your life. 
and take up all your time. You know, what's a toxic person? I've been reading some excerpts from um, Gary Thomas's book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Great book, recommend it. We're probably gonna do some small group studies here based on that. Gary Thomas, When to Walk Away. Listen to what he says. If someone is getting in the way of you becoming the person God created you to be or frustrating the work of God that, that he has called you to do for you, that person is toxic. And so you find that so many times we have toxic people come into our lives. Now I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I sure do. You know, I got, I'm living with one. Don't look at them. And I'm not saying that you're like, you know, don't go, well, you've wasted too much of my time, toxic person. You know, spouse, don't, no, work that out. Work that out. All right. But I'm saying that when you can, there may be a toxic person in your life that you just need to go turn the volume down. All right. Because so often we just allow it to go on and we allow it to go on instead of saying, ah, no, ah, ah, no, 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 not wasting any more time. Life is too precious to waste it in that way. You know, because toxic, we all know that. Toxic people are like energy vampires, you know. They just sort of flutter over, suck out all your energy, and then when you have nothing else to give, they flutter away to the next victim, right? Don't even let them, all right? So don't waste time on things you can't control. Don't waste time on toxic people. And don't waste time looking at the temporal over the eternal, so many times we get so caught up in the temporal, in the passing, in the right now, in the right here. Things that aren't going to matter 50 years from now, but things that really aren't going to matter tomorrow. So don't get caught up in the temporal over the eternal. We are made for eternity. We'll look at that in just a moment. But don't redeeming the time involves taking care of how you use your time, recognizing it is a God-given gift. This is why in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, we find that Solomon writes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol being the grave. So once you go to the grave, you're not going to be able to work anymore. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing for God, work with all your might. Put everything behind it spiritually. Move forward and look carefully at your present. And by the way, you have enough time today to do every single thing that God wants you to do to accomplish his will for your life today with grace. And if you go to bed at night and you're like, I had just so many things, I just, I just, I just, I, I couldn't do it or I couldn't do it all gracefully. No, 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 no. That means you probably have overloaded your plow. God has given you enough time to do everything he wants you to do today and to do it with grace. And I know some of you are like, well, yeah, but it's easy for you to say, you know. No, it's not. You realize there's always someone else who is going to try to make your schedule. You need to let God be your schedule maker. And then everybody else gets to fill in the gaps. You know, you pencil everybody else in after God has set your schedule. God is the one who sets your daily schedule. Not someone else. God is. God is. God's purpose, his is first. Living a life for Christ, that's first. Pursuing him, that's first. Everything else gets filled in around that. That's first. So look carefully at the present. Let go of the past. Look carefully at the present. And then, here it is, long for a glorious future. We look forward to something. We look forward to an eternity with Jesus himself. Come on now. That's what we look forward to. That is a glorious future that we look forward to. Listen to Ecclesiastes again. This is chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. 
Meaning, fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with God as much as you possibly can while you're young and then enjoy that on into your latter years. Verse 6 of Ecclesiastes 12. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Live for God now. Don't wait until the 11th hour. Don't wait because death is coming to all. Don't waste your time. Look toward a glorious future. Recognizing that life is short. Lord, teach us the number of days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And you find this is the longing that's in every one of us. Every one of us longs for eternity. Now, we may not put it in those terms. People may not know that's what they're longing for, but every one of us longs for eternity. Because God hardwired us for eternity. This is also Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God's put eternity in our hearts, but yet we don't understand all the particulars of how God works. But we just know that we have a longing, and that longing is for eternity. Do you know one of the best examples of this? And I know some of you are going to say, that's weird. It's okay. It's not the first time that you've said that. Um, Antiques Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow. You ever watch Antiques Roadshow? Any of you ever watched that? And you're watching Antiques Roadshow and this person shows up at the convention center and they're like, you know, like, I have this vase that my great, 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 great grandfather, you know, kept in this, kept in this case for all these years. And, you know, and well, do you know how much he paid for it? He paid four cents, you know, and a bag of corn, you know. Well, it's worth $13.5 million, you know, and oh, goodness, you know, I mean, and, and you know, and you watch it for those moments. You know, you also watch it for the moments when somebody shows up and they're like, well, I've got, I've got this, this antique Winchester that, you know, belonged to, you know, this famous uh, warrior and da-da-da-da-da. And then and the, they're like, I'm sorry, that's a, that's a reproduction. And how much did you pay for it? Well, I paid $75,000. Well, it's worth about, you know, two hundred. dollars You know, and it's, it's a hoax. You, you watch it for those. You don't watch it for the middling stuff, right? You don't watch it for the person who has the antique glassware and, uh, glassware and they're like, that's worth about 40 bucks. You don't, you don't watch it for that. You know, it's a great collection, but it's worth about 40 bucks. You watch it for the people who bring the stuff that is super old, that looks like it was made yesterday. Why? Because we're obsessed with that. We're just so obsessed with, look at it. That thing is 300 years old and it looks like it was just made. Wow. And we just, we, we're just totally blown away by that. Because God's put eternity in our hearts. We long for something more than just this span of life that we live right now. We want more. Why do you think so many people look and run after all these things to try to feel younger or live longer? And that's a good thing. We can. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. But I'm just saying that so many times we run after things because God's put eternity in our hearts. He's put eternity in our hearts, and we are wired for eternity, which means this. Nothing but eternity is going to satisfy us. Anything that we try to use to fill that longing that is within us, other than the eternal glory of Jesus Christ, is going to fall short. He designed us. 
He hardwired us for relationship with himself. And we try all sorts of other things to try to grab hold of that little corner of eternity. And all the while, all the while, God is saying, it's wrapped up in my son. It's wrapped up in my son. We're to long for a glorious future. That's why we find in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel. That is this relationship, this ongoing growth, this sanctification, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why were we called? So that we could obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we could have be in glory with God, enjoying fellowship with him and reflecting his glory for all eternity in a perfect way, giving glory and honor and praise to God alone. That's the glorious future that we look forward to. And that's all wrapped up in Jesus. And so many times we try to take all sorts of other things and we try to use them to fill this longing for eternity that we have. And sometimes we, we stack them on top of each other. Well, if I just get enough of this and enough of that and enough of this and enough of that and I cram it all together, then I can experience the joy of eternity right now and I can experience the whole fullness of it right here, right now. No, not true. We're always going to long for more because we're designed. We are hardwired for eternity. We are fashioned for eternity. And we are fashioned to spend eternity in relationship with God. And anything short of Jesus is going to fall short. Anything short of Jesus is going to fall short. Because we were created for him, by him, and for him. So we have this glorious hope that we look forward to. This is why in Romans chapter 8, verse 25, Paul writes, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We're hoping for that eternal. And hope here, remember, doesn't mean hope is in wishful thinking. Hope here means it's a confident and favorable expectation of that future reality. It's confident. It's going to happen. It's favorable. It's good. And it is a future reality, but it's not here just yet. So that's our hope. We have confidence. And it's favorable that we're looking forward to being with Christ. And so we long for a glorious future. So let me ask as we close, where is it? Where is it in your past that you've gotten hung up? Where have you gotten hung up? Is it some negative thing somebody did or said to you? Maybe in recent history or maybe in distant past. Is it something that you did or didn't do that you just living with that regret again and again and again? Will you give that to Christ? Oh, I've given it to him so many times. Give it to him again. Give it to him again. Or maybe it's a good thing you've been clinging to. You've been hanging on to it. And you've been depending upon it instead of moving forward. Take joy in that good thing in the past. Take joy. Celebrate that. But don't let that become the crowning glory. Look forward. Move forward. Where is it maybe you aren't living carefully right now? Where is it that you're not walking that tightrope in the right way? Where is it maybe that there are some time wasters or time stealers that have come into your life and you've just allowed that? What is it that maybe you're worried about that, that you don't have any control over that you need to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Just like we sang earlier. Yeah, I'm going to trust in you. God, I mean, it, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Well, what is it maybe, where is it maybe some toxic people have crept in? You've just allowed it and you just need to say, oh, no, no, I don't have time for that anymore. Where is it maybe that you've been focused so much on the temporal that you've been ignoring the eternal? 
Where in your life on a day-to-day basis do you reorient yourself when those times come and you reorient yourself and get, allow God through his word to reorient your heart and your mind so that you go, you know what? This ain't it. This is not the end of all things. I'm looking forward to a glorious hope. You know, sometimes when we forget that this is not it and we start, we start thinking that maybe this is and we get too in love with the world, sometimes God allows those hard things to come to remind us this ain't home. This ain't home. And also sometimes when things are really, really good and they're so good that we're tempted to take our eyes off eternity and focus on right now and just live for right now. Sometimes, again, some hard things may come just to allow us to remember this ain't home and we're not here yet. We're not there yet. So wherever it is in your life, whether it's past, present, or future that you are wrestling with time and having the time of your life would you go before jesus today and say jesus it's all wrapped up in you my past is a different past because of your sacrifice my future is empowered because you are the all-powerful god you're the living hope that i serve and and if i'm following you then lord god i want you to set the schedule i want you to set the schedule of my life i want to accomplish all that you want me to accomplish And Lord, help me to look forward. Help me to look past what's going on right now and look forward to the glorious future that you have promised in your word for those who follow Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the gift of time. Father, and as we reflect upon that, we recognize time is short. In the grand scheme of things, even people who live a very long time, so many times, They talk about, just as Reverend Graham did that time, that it's so short. In the grand scheme, it's very short. As James says, just a passing vapor, just a puff of smoke on a windy day. But Father, you've redeemed us. And because we are redeemed, we can live redeemed lives. And living a redeemed life involves redeeming the time. So, Father, may we make the best use of the time that you have given us. May we make the best use of every heartbeat, of every breath that you have given, recognizing that every single second of life is a gift from you. May we not take that for granted. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, I pray for anyone here who may be wrestling with those different areas. Father, I pray that you would give them your understanding and your wisdom and lead them by your word to a place of freedom, a freedom in Christ. And just staying put and abiding in Jesus and recognizing that in his time here on earth, he accomplished everything you set forth for him to accomplish because he listened to you, he depended upon you, he followed you, he clung to you, he obeyed you. He operated from a heart of love and he operated from a heart that was wrapped up in your will. So Father, may we have the same heart, the same mind. May we follow hard after you and spend our time wisely. 
Father, I pray for anybody here today or maybe listening or watching either now or later. Father, if they look back over their lives and they say, I wasted it. I'm not a follower of Christ. I've wasted my life. Father, I pray that you would let them see that by your power, you were able to accomplish in moments, in days, what no human can accomplish by their own hand given a whole lifetime. So, Father, I pray that you would help them to see that Jesus is the answer. He is the only way. And he's worthy. He's worthy for us to be spent on. He's worthy for us to pour out our lives upon his altar. He is worthy that we lay down every second, every heartbeat, every breath, and lay it before him and say, it's yours, I'm yours, I'm all yours, do with me as you see fit to advance your kingdom and bring glory and honor and praise to your name. He is worthy. May we be willing to do that, Father, and may those who are not following you yet, may they be broken over their sin and recognize that Jesus came and lived that perfect life. And part of accomplishing all of your will was to die on a cross for our sins. So, Father, may they seek you. May they run after you. May they surrender to you. Father, I pray you draw them to yourself. Father, I pray that we would be found to be walking carefully when you return. And if you tarry, and that golden bowl is broken, when we reach the end of our lives, may we be able to look back and recognize that we didn't waste it as we poured it out for Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.